Hello, everyone. I am Matthew Thomas with the Super Cool Radio. My guest at this time, hailing from Las Vegas, currently in Seattle, Washington. He is the creator, composer, and the rocking keyboardist for Renaissance Rock Orchestra. Please welcome the great Greg Fox. Hello, everybody out there in Super Cool Radio Land. That's right. Nice to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this interview. And this uh, interview was made possible by the great promoter, Christina Villa. Thank you so much. Yes, Christina Avila, Artist Promotions. He, uh, she is so good. Highly recommend her services. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All of, all of us in Renaissance Rock Orchestra love you very much. I, I want to kick this interview off with, uh, I think it's a fun interview. I'll put you on the spot. Uh, if you could only listen to one band's whole discography, who would you go with? Oh, boy. One band's entire discography. That's all I had. That's that's the question, huh? Yes. If, yeah. Well, if you know, I have to say, and you probably know this, maybe a lot of your listeners aren't familiar with what Renaissance Rock Orchestra is and what I do, but as a keyboardist and uh, with a very classically influenced style of music, kind of a little bit like Trans-Siberian Orchestra, but without the Christmas part. Uh, because of that, as a keyboardist, you know, I, I love things that are influenced by, by classical and progressive rock. A lot of people call it prog rock, in case you're not familiar with it. Bands like Yes and Emerson, Lake and Palmer and Jethro Tull and things like that are the kinds of things I grew up with way back in the day that was so popular. But so my favorite band is the band Yes. And so normally, if you were to ask me that question, my whole life, I would always say definitely yes. It's very positive music, and that's the kind of music I like to listen to. And you know what? It, it gets heavy, and yet it's very, uh, very spiritual at the same time, and very melodic and beautiful. So normally, I would say yes. But you know what? As I think about that, there's a couple other things that come to mind. Because yes because of John Anderson's voice is a little bit one dimensional. Some people, when they hear John Anderson, they, they say it, they, they can't listen to it because it reminds them of Mickey Mouse or something, right? It's got a really high range. Are you familiar with yes at all, Matthew? Uh, I'm, I'm actually not, no. Not so much. Yeah. Not they had a, a, a number of hits back in the day, uh, songs like roundabout and your move really, really beautiful song, your move. Uh, and I've seen all good people. I'd recommend that you give it a listen because it's it's really, really nice stuff. Your Move is a beautiful, beautiful kind of a mellow song. I think you would like it. I think just about everybody would like it, the people that like just about every style of music. But because of his voice, you know, another thing comes to mind, my other favorite band, Jethro Tull. And once again, the reason I think about that is because the different stylings of their music throughout their discography. You know, sometimes it's, it's really rocking and, and really powerful and other times it's it's very renaissance and you know it's just the flutes and a classical guitar so it has a lot of dynamics so i think of that too but ultimately and i've just made this decision i've just made this decision within like the last 24 hours as i've been kind of thinking about this because i had a, a little bit of a preview thank goodness but you know the music of led zeppelin is uh it's so powerful and it covers all the same things I'm talking about. So it has the incredible dynamics and there's a certain, uh, it has a lot of soul to it. I mean, Led Zeppelin one is a very blues, bluesy record. It's blues and blues rock. 
And, and from there, it just continues to grow. Their music continues to grow in every aspect, things like Stairway to Heaven that have such beautiful instrumental openings. And a lot of their music has that with guitars and, and with things like that. And then it moves and builds and builds into this heavier thing. So uh, I, I think maybe Led Zeppelin might be my new choice. And by the way, I don't know if you can see my shirt here, but uh, I'm oh, wearing my Bonzo right. Bass shirt today. And uh, this is a thing that I do at the NAM show out in Anaheim, California. Every year, the largest music convention in the world where all the musicians and rock stars and all the companies that, that build musical equipment go. It's literally uh, the largest convention in the world, as I understand it. And uh, every year out there, I get to do a lot of things. I do a lot of performances with a lot of shows and a lot of different bands. And one of them is a thing called Bonzo Bash. Bonzo Bash Fest. And the neat thing about that is it's a celebration of John Bonham, Bonzo, the drummer of Led Zeppelin. And I get to play with uh, some of the most amazing, amazing drummers in the world. Uh, literally, uh, it goes on for hours and hours and hours. And I get to play with Ray Luzier from Korn and Dean Castronovo from Journey. Uh, it just goes on and on. The list is amazing. Guys from Black Sabbath and Whitesnake and Foreigner. And you name every band in the world. So it's a really, really fun thing. And we do that in Las Vegas. Also in Las Vegas, uh, I have a band called uh, the Moby Dick's Led Zeppelin All-Stars. And it's a Led Zeppelin All-Star tribute show. And that's super fun. And I'm happy to announce that we're actually going to be doing uh, a show July 23rd and 24th, Friday and Saturday at Vamped out there in Las Vegas. And so it's going to be fun to be doing that again, back back to some live music again. So very excited about that. That's new news. Well, you, uh, a lot to unpack uh, with everything you just said. Uh, that, all of it just sounds so awesome. But yeah, we talk about Led Zeppelin real quick. Like their stuff can go from like hard rock music to blues right. music to exactly. prog, like Stairway to Heaven. They covered so much. Yeah. And for, um, like a, kind of a limited discography too. I think what six or seven albums, I believe, for Led Zeppelin. I, I think it's actually nine. Nine, okay. I have it right, and I could be wrong. We should ask my drummer Brian Tishy. He's not only the drummer and the and the creator of Bonzo Bash, and a huge, huge Bonham fan, of course, as am I. And I've uh, I've met John Bonham's son, Jason Bonham, on several occasions, and uh, and he's actually jammed at Bonzo Bash before too. But you know, there's there's more than you think. Uh, oh, yeah. when it comes to the Led Zeppelin discography, and it's it, for some reason nine is sticking out in my, in my mind, but I could be wrong. You know, they they covered so many different elements, as I said, and it's and so many. Uh, they're so influential to so many different people. Even though you have like newer bands kind of doing like the yeah. same style of Led Zeppelin now. That's right, right, yeah. Things like Greta Van Fleet, right? Yep. Yeah, like, it's so awesome to see the young audiences love that style of music. And, uh, and they basically, you know, copped that whole Zeppelin thing from the vocals to, to the, the band lineup, you know, the instrumentation, uh, everything about it. So that's, that's an awesome thing. Yeah. I love that, that that's happening. And for sure. And for being how young they are, they are super talented to pull that off as well. Cause yeah. it's not easy. Yeah. I, I like Greta Van Fleet. You know, those of us that are the, that are old school, uh, you know, uh, Nothing will ever quite match Robert Plant and Led Zeppelin, but I love what they're doing. I love that they're doing it, that, that they dig that sound, and they're creating that kind of energy again. So uh, it's a neat thing.
Yeah, for sure. And the uh, I'm actually I've heard of Bamped in Las Vegas. That is a uh, uh, Danny uh, Coker of uh, counting uh, counting cars, uh, count seventy seven. All That's that. Right. Really yeah, cool yeah, guy. yeah. I play there all the time. Uh, Danny and Curry are good friends of mine, and uh, yeah, the Danny is a great, great guy and, and a big supporter of music. And of course, he's you know he's a great vocalist too. He's got his own band, Count Seventy Seven, that plays there a lot too with uh, the great guitarist Stony Curtis. Yes, I mean, and, uh, matter of fact, uh, that's where we rehearse with the Renaissance Rock Orchestra. Uh, Danny's kind of compound down there for the TV show and for Count's Customs, you know, his custom automotive shop also has a production studio there called Desert Moon Productions. And that's where we do all of our rehearsals. Uh, and I've rehearsed there for, for a number of other shows too, but that's where Renaissance Rock Orchestra rehearses all the time. It's a really great facility and uh, it's great to hang out with those guys. It's really a beautiful, beautiful facility. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely, I've seen it on TV. I, I Honestly, I, I would really like to talk to Danny, not only, like I'm a former mechanic, I'm an ASU oh, nice. mechanic. So like that side appeals to me and the music side appeals to me as well. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. Danny, of course, uh, supports the entire music scene so much, being a musician and loving. He always has, and Vamped has, has always been the premier place to play in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, the, the best room, the, the best crowds, the best sound, the best lights. Uh, it's the place. Uh, go, if you're in Las Vegas, make sure you get off the strip and go to Vamped. And, and uh, who knows, maybe the Moby Dix will be playing there. Or the Renaissance Rock Orchestra. That'd be a good one, too. Oh yeah, they're definitely. I've heard they're really good. Yeah, I. Uh, Danny does a lot of custom work for a lot of us musicians on our cars and on our motorcycles, and and one of my guitar players in Renaissance Rock Orchestra is Christian Brady, the guitarist for Hell Yeah, and uh, he's done some some work on Christian's motorcycle. He and he hasn't done anything on my 2010 Harley yet, but I think we need to go there. We need to get my Harley. Uh, in Danny's shop and get some work done to it. it. It needs some new pipes and some some cool upgrades. It has a nice custom paint job on it right now that was done by a, a brilliant, brilliant fine artist by the name of Chris DeRubis. Uh, I also uh, have been known to sell some fine art in Las Vegas when I'm not on tour. And Chris DeRubis uh, does some really neat stuff on aluminum where he, he grinds the, the the metal and he lights it on fire and he does airbrushing and he did that to my uh, to my Harley and it looks fantastic. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I've seen um, like similar styles of work like that, where like they you know, they, they carve the metal and they paint yeah. over it. It's, yeah, it's it amazing. Dimensionalism, you know, it's, it feels like you could reach your hand just right into it. It's really really cool. Chris, yeah, yeah check his heart out too. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, if uh, anyone hasn't listened to uh, uh, Count Seventy Seven, I own both of their albums. I, I really yeah. dig like that classic rock revival style that they have going on. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Me too. Obviously. Yeah, it's it's kind of what I do. You know, my my music is uh, is a little bit more complicated. I have a lot of uh, artists that are, are real virtuosos at what they do. You know, guitar players like Bumblefoot from Guns N' Roses, and and well, and and my vocalists. You know, Mark Robert Bowles, who uh, besides singing on the Ingve Malmsteen trilogy record, the most popular Malmsteen record that there ever was. And touring with Malmsteen, he's also toured with Ted Nugent and Dawkins, but he's also an opera singer. I mean, Mark Mark has uh, an incredible operatic voice. We don't really quite get into that, but he uses those styles in, in some of what we do in Renaissance Rock Orchestra. Uh, I think, for instance, of our last record, 
not the new one that we just released for COVID, which is called A Song of Hope. Our last one was called In Times of Old. And on Times of Old, we have a couple really epic, epic, almost rock opera type pieces. In. And Mark sings on the first track, a thing called The Ice Age Cometh. Cometh. And as a matter of fact, I just uploaded that to YouTube on Tuesday. So you could check it out. It's actually a lyric video of the song. So you understand what it, what the song is, is all about. But yeah, in that piece, you'll, you hear that operatic quality that Mark Robert Bowles has. And, and it's, uh, it, the piece almost has several movements where it, it goes, uh, it starts out pretty rocking and then it goes into this really cool sort of almost Pink Floydish thing in the middle. And, and Mark really pulls out some of the uh, the opera tonalities in that, which is really nice. And you can hear that on Spotify. That entire record has 27 rock stars on it. It has two Rock and Roll Hall of Fame members. It has Alan White from Yes, the drummer from Yes. And of course, that was a bucket list for me to have a Yes member on my record, right? My favorite band. And it also has, uh, being a Seattle boy, you know, I've worked uh, over the years with several members in the band Heart. And uh, it has Howard Lease, the guitar player from Hearts, on a song called Alexander's Symphony, which is a very Trans-Siberian Orchestra song, all instrumental with strings, real real life strings. And Howard plays a guitar solo in that, that uh, is really a beautiful, beautiful guitar solo. So we have two Rock and Roll Hall of Fame members. But uh, yeah, uh, go check that out on Spotify in Times of Old by Renaissance Rock Orchestra. Uh, 27 rock stars, two Rock and Roll Hall of Fame members. The drummers on that record are pretty remarkable. Well, besides the vocalists, we have Robin McCauley sings three songs on that record, uh, which includes uh, the author of Mystery, his favorite song. Robin also in the past sang uh, with Macaulay Shanker Group. He does a lot of Michael Shanker tours around the world to this day. He was the singer for Survivor. Beautiful, beautiful voice. And we also have Mark Robert Bowles singing on that record. We have Tony Harnell from TNT. Uh, amazing voice. He's got quite a, a following from uh, the, I believe the, uh, TNT was originally from Norway. The band is uh, a band from Norway. And he sings on another very rock opera epic piece called The Maker of Dreams. And I just released that one on YouTube last Friday. So those are out on YouTube to check out. Make sure you subscribe to Renaissance Rock Orchestra when you're on your YouTube because we'll be uh, releasing new material every Tuesday, every Friday. New videos come out, which is kind of a cool thing. You know, that, that is really awesome, especially to hear like, all the, the great musicians you work with, with uh, on, uh, for Renaissance Rock Orchestra. It's definitely, I, I've listened to the, the new song, In My Loving Arms. I oh, love it, especially that okay. intro. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, that intro, that guitar intro is by Michael James Romeo. Michael's considered to be one of the top, top 10 metal guitar players, players in the world uh, by, by Burn Magazine, of all things. And he's, he's also a, a brilliant composer and film scorer. But yeah, he's the, the composer and, and basically the head of Symphony X, the group Symphony X. So yeah, to, to have Michael involved with the music and, and he plays three songs on our new record, A Song of Hope with some brilliant guitar solos and, and all of his, his work is amazing. I love working with Michael James Romeo. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Bevan, uh, yeah, definitely subscribe to Rock Renaissance Orchestra on YouTube. Uh, yes. Renaissance Rock Orchestra. There you go. Uh, yeah. Check them out. Uh, stream them on Spotify. Really awesome band. I, you know, I, I've only, li I've listened to In My Loving Arms. I'm, I'm going to go back to your whole design for you and listen to it. Cause like I, I'm digging it. It's cool. 
it's very different. So, but how did you? Uh, so, how did you come up with the Renaissance Rock Orchestra like concept? How did you make all the connections with the musicians? So you worked with so many different people on like a bunch of different songs. Yeah, it's true. It's a, it's a pretty amazing story, really. Uh, the name Renaissance Rock is kind of a tag name that I've had uh, back when I was in college. I had a band called Icarus. You know, Icarus with the wings who flew too close to the sun, uh, a Greek mythology thing. And we were trying to describe what our music was about. And we loved music by Queen and we loved music by Jethro Tull and by Yes. And we were kind of trying to come up with the tag name. And I came up with uh, Renaissance Rock, Renaissance Rock. Uh, and and so I kind of took that, which is a part of uh, my whole history, the whole Greg Fox thing. And when I first moved to Las Vegas back in 2009, uh, my buddy, my best friend, Mikey Bones, who passed away in 2017, he was the bass player on my first two records. Uh, Mikey Bones and I went out to see a lot of Trans-Siberian Orchestra shows because he knew the guys uh, from back east. He's back, uh, a guy from Queens and knew everybody from New York and, and a lot of famous players, you know, Bon Jovi and Steve Vai and, and all these cats. And so he knew all the guys in uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And we'd go out and see the shows. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, well, you know what? I'm a violinist. I'm a pianist. I've been composing since I was in junior high school. I could do that. I could write that. But, you know, let's, let's not make it a Christmas thing. Let's, uh, let's bring in famous rock musicians. Because of my history uh, and my associations with Hearts and, and with Queensryche, and Mikey Bones' history with all these guys. Uh, Mikey was actually kind of the first guy that started bringing in uh, some players to our first record. And uh, he was good friends with George Lynch, one of the top 10 guitar players in the world. And Mikey invited George Lynch to play on our first record, uh, the White Gate Trilogy. And it just continued to grow from there. Everybody that heard the music and heard the project was very excited about how different it was and and uh, just the nature of, of the complexity of the music. And so everybody has just jumped on board and and everybody wants to be a part of it. You know what? I can't say everybody. There's there's a couple people that I haven't gotten to be to play on the record yet that are kind of bucket list players, like Mike Portnoy, for instance, from Dream Theater. Hello, Mike. Uh, we're, you're still welcome. We we need to get you on board. Yeah. And uh, Joe Lynn Turner, another fantastic uh, singer that uh, I I love to have on a record that we've invited that we haven't made happen yet. But yeah, so so we came up with the concept, and I started writing the music and. Uh, in 2014, we released the, the first record, the White Gate Trilogy, and the response has been remarkable. And so from there, it just continued on our second record in times of old. And Mikey just kept calling all of his friends and more and more people. And and I started bringing in more of my people uh, and uh, uh, from the Northwest, and from, from Hearts, and and people that I worked with in the Moby Dicks and, and a lot of the other shows that I do in Las Vegas, like the Rock and Roll uh, God's Hall of Fame shows, and uh, where I work with where I work with Bumblefoot, and uh, he got an award. And Chris Slade from ACDC. Although we haven't gotten Chris on a record yet, we have Simon Wright from ACDC on the Maker of Dreams that I was just talking about. So that's a, a definite uh, go to. Yeah, on in times of old, ten different drummers, ten different drummers, Queensrÿche, 
that starts off with uh, Ben Smith from Heart, Alan White from Yes, Simon Wright from ACDC, Vinnie Apice from Black Sabbath and Ronnie James Dio. Oh, man. Uh, Roxy Petrucci from Vixen. Uh, really excited to have her on a song. My my main drummer for Renaissance Rock Orchestra, uh, Brian Tishy from White Snake and Foreigner and Billy Idol. Uh, you know, the list is is so long that I can't even remember. Brent Fitz from Alice Cooper and Slash plays on the song Alexander Symphony, and he's he's so brilliant. I, I just got to see Brent down at that show that I did in Phoenix with Asia uh, here last weekend. I know we we're probably going to touch base on that at some point. That was fun. Uh, unbelievable to play live music again. And it was event, an event that Alice Cooper put on. So I had never met Alice before and being able to sit down with Alice and his wife and, and chat for 15, 20 minutes was really a neat thing. He's uh, just a very charming, uh, very, very likable man. And they are so, uh, so helpful in their community. They actually have a ministry for, for teenagers. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful thing that they're doing there for, for the community in Phoenix. But uh, also at this event, we had Lou Graham from Foreigner singing. So not only did I get to play all those amazing, amazing Asia songs with Asia featuring John Payne uh, doing lead vocals. And uh, I also got to do a lot of Foreigner songs with, with the iconic and legendary Lou Graham unbelievable to be on stage with Lou and to play feels like the first time and hot blooded. And, and I want to know what love is, you know, the great ballad that sold 80 million records to be on stage, uh, just magical. Just like going, I'm going, wow, I can't, can't believe I'm doing this. Uh, so that was a great event. Of course, the audience was so starved for some entertainment that they were so appreciative and it was outdoors on a golf course there in Mesa, actually Las Sendas golf course, beautiful. And everybody that did the event was so, so helpful and kind and, and so professional. It was a beautiful, beautiful stage and a very, very magical night. The first show in well over a year of live music for most of us. And, and Brent Fitz, who was on my record in times of old was there playing with Alice Cooper. And, and so we, we had a real, real fun time uh, uh, seeing each other and, and talking about life and playing music again and watching him play for Alice was brilliant. Yeah, definitely. That, actually, that was definitely something I wanted to talk about. You, know, you playing with Asia. I didn't know about uh, you actually getting to play Foreigner songs as well. That sounds really awesome. Yeah, that, that was a uh, coop stock, as you said, in Arizona on a golf course, yeah. which Alice Cooper is actually he's my favorite artist of all time. I have nice. all, of his, all of his CDs. I have, I've seen him live four times. I, Excellent. I, if I, if I had like one interview that I could do, like it would be with him. Like if, if I did an interview with him, like I could retire. I'd be like, you know what? I've got it. Yeah. I got to tell you a funny story about that sure. because I had been sitting talking with Alice and his wife and uh, you know, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'm sitting here talking to Alice Cooper and he was so cool. So I'm texting a friend and I'm like going, wow, I just had this conversation with Alice Cooper and his wife. And I thought of the movie, of course, we're not worthy, right? Right. Of course, that's going to come to mind. And I'm thinking that in my head. And I had to go back and tell Alice because while I was thinking that, I was going, now, wait a minute. My bass player on my new record is Greg Smith, who played with Alice for several tours. Yes. And he was the guy in that scene in Wayne's World when, when, when they're doing We're Not Worthy. So I had to go back and, and speak with Alice and tell him that whole story. And he started talking about touring with Greg and how fun it was playing poker with him. They used to have some pr pretty serious 
poker tournaments, even though it was only for quarters. And I think at one point, Greg actually beat Alice, which I think is a rare thing. And he gave uh, my bass player, Greg Smith, uh, this this Miller Light Can trophy that uh, Greg actually has in, in his studio. I've seen it on some of the interviews he's done for, for the Renaissance Rock Orchestra with some other DJs and bloggers. And anyway, that was fun having that conversation with Alice. Greg Smith, by the way, so happy to have him on this this new record. Greg has played with not only Alice Cooper, but Ted Nugent. Still plays with Ted Nugent. Still does shows with Tommy James and the Shondells. He was with Billy Joel uh, for several years. And uh, it goes on and on. Alan Parsons. Yeah, just remarkable, remarkable bass player. And he really contributed some beautiful bass parts to the new record, A Song of Hope. By the way, just as long as we're talking about it, yeah. Song of Hope, uh, uh, the record itself is not on Spotify yet. You can hear most of the songs on YouTube, so you can pretty much hear the new new record on YouTube. But uh, on Spotify, we, were, we got permission from the label that we're negotiating with to release the new record, A Song of Hope, to do the song In My Loving Arms. So hopefully we're going to be hearing In My Loving Arms on, on your show here at some point. But uh, yeah, you can also hear that on Spotify now. It was actually just released uh, just within the last few days, about 72 hours ago. So that song is there, but we won't be able to actually release the entire new record until we have just full distribution from our, our new label. And we're still negotiating with them. So I'm not really quite at liberty to to disclose who that is yet till the ink is dry. No, yeah, definitely. I got you. Actually, uh, yeah, Christina Bell actually sent me. Uh, so last month for my show, my listeners got to hear In My Loving Arms. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, definitely. I had my uh, super show last, uh, yeah, uh, actually end of, uh, end of March. I don't remember. Yeah. So end of March. And uh, I've heard great reviews from the people I've talked to oh, about good. it. I definitely like it. Fantastic. Yeah, it, Please keep playing it. <laughs> yeah, I was actually gonna. Uh, I'm gonna feature a teaser after an interview of uh, In My Loving Arms. So beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, it has that amazing guitar solo entrance by Michael James Romeo from Symphony X, and the guitar solo in the middle of that song is is so brilliant. It's it's one of those wow, wow moments. You got to check it out. Yeah, the song to me when a lot of people hear it, uh, it uh, because the guitar work it has a little bit of a, a Van Halen. Um, feeling to it so uh i hear that a lot about that song kind of a combination of van halen and dream theater maybe so very pleased with it very happy with the way it turned out and uh, it definitely it came out really well and actually since we're talking about it uh so how was it writing and recording this because this was a covid you know a quarantine absolutely. uh recording so how was it to do all that well I get to share some information I don't think I've shared with anybody yet. This is top secret. This is a uh, a new premier disclosure here. This is a what do they call that in, in the newspapers, exclusive. Matthew? You're getting uh, a uh, exclusive. Exclusive. Thank you. Couldn't come up with it. This is an exclusive about this. I haven't told anybody else this yet. Uh, writing it and recording it was a difficult thing in COVID for a number of reasons. But I have to uh, disclose to you that I actually wrote that song uh, back in Seattle in probably 1985. And I, I did that song. Let's see. Oh, yes. I did that song with Pamela Moore, Sister Mary from Queensryche. I, uh, I was in a band called Sister Mary. And uh, 
I helped co-write most of the music. And we actually did that song and it was sung by Pam Lamore, uh, Sweet Sister Mary from Queensryche. And uh, at some point we might have to release that version, it'd be interesting to hear it. So I, I kind of changed it. I, I obviously sonically and audio quality wise, there was a big difference between uh, 1985 and now. Uh, new keyboard sounds, and I uh, did a lot of string arrangements that were never in the song before. I increased the tempo, made it a lot more energetic, and uh, I made some arrangement changes that uh, I think make the song a lot more concise and powerful. But yes, it was written back then. But you know, it's I just wanted to include it on this record because of all the loss and, and grief and tragedy that we've all gone through in so many ways, whether it be uh, with with loss of friends and family or economically and the changes that people have gone through. And so it was, it was the vibe that I wanted to include on the record. And a lot of the other songs on the record uh, are even more COVID related. Uh, the title track of the record, A Song of Hope, uh, is a must listen to. Go to YouTube and please listen to it. I've heard from a lot of people around the world that it's really touched them emotionally, emotionally and and sort of uh, help them get through a lot of tragedy and, and grief because it's very inspiring and uh, lyrically it's it's just completely all about let's let's help each other let's uh, you know let's stand by each other you know, we're all we have left it's all about people so uh, yeah so please give a, a listen to a song of hope and you'll really get the COVID feeling but I also touched base on the whole COVID experience in uh, another song on there called Circus Life. It's a little bit more introspective and it touches on on my life and kind of the story of my life and my career in music. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a song about uh, really in the end, it's all about family. You know, uh, we're all trying to find our way back home. And, and uh, so we, we need to to build those 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 kind of ties and support each other in that kind of way. So, but yes, to record in my love and arms was quite a challenge during COVID because everybody was scrambling trying to survive, you know, all the artists, all the musicians. So because of that, everybody was doing a lot of studio work. We were doing a lot of uh, different types of commercial projects. And so I had a hard time. What I expected to have done in about 90 days ended up taking six months. And I'm talking about just that song. Just, just that song. I was lucky enough in the end with my in love in, in my love and arms to make a trip up to Seattle to visit my family. And while I was here, I was able to talk to people in the Seattle Symphony uh, about working on some projects. And uh, through that, ended up bringing in some brilliant, brilliant string players and wrote some arrangements that we we got recorded up here in Seattle. And uh, Really, really happy to have those guys involved in, and to have those strings on the record. Philip uh, Peterson, so uh, House of Glass did uh, did the recording in Marino, Korea. One of my good friends up here that uh, works with Cinema Sonic strings in, in Seattle. So uh, thank you to those guys for doing all, all the strings on, on the entire record of Song of Hope. But yes, uh, there was there was a lot of challenges and. And of course, uh, you're, you're not able to actually be in the room 
So a lot of back and forth with tracks, and that's not that's not quite right. Here's what we're really trying to accomplish on the song. Here's the sound we're looking for. Here's the style we're looking for. And I even ended up having that problem when I went uh, down when we things kind of opened up enough. I went down to Phoenix to uh, to record uh, to actually do the the mix of the record and uh, Premier Studios in in Arizona and. Uh, management wasn't quite happy with those mixes so we had problems with that we ended up going back and and doing kind of a half half thing with with uh, the mixes from from phoenix and brought in a brilliant brilliant guy brian maloof who has done mixes for michael jackson and for madonna and uh, also for queen he was the guy that actually mixed the the recordings that were released from wembley you know from live aid the largest concert ever held so Brilliant, brilliant job he did. And he's the guy that, that did a remix on In My Love and Arms and it turned out so good. But also thank you to Jeremy Parker who did half the, the mixes on the record. And so we kept some of those mixes too because they're so good. Jeremy Parker's got uh, did, done brilliant work with Evanescence and Slipknots and Mud Honey. And so we used his mixes too. Uh, that, that's really awesome. I know, yeah, definitely um, a lot of stuff uh, was, you know, shut down or, you know, minimal that you could, you know, get stuff done. So it's really, you know, it did take you six months, but you got uh, able to get through it. And I'm definitely, I'm looking forward to hearing, you know, the, the rest of the album when it, you know, when it's officially released and stuff. But it definitely, it has that positive silver lining with everything. Yes, absolutely. It's, you know, everybody that, that hears the comments I get on YouTube from people around the world are, wow, you know, the quality of the music. The, the, the feeling that the music gives you, you know, it's all very positive and, and, uh, and, and inspiring in a lot of different ways, but even musically, just, just the depth of the recordings and the, and the depth of the songs and, and even the lyrics, I would say, uh, have, you don't hear things like that much anymore. And I kind of did that on purpose. And he had that 80s sound with some, some Queen vibes and uh, even some Kansas vibes and some Van Halen vibes and, and so I think I accomplished that very well. So, yeah, uh, people that that love uh, AOR music, you know, al album-oriented rock and, and 80s and 90s rock are really going to enjoy this record. So, so go check it out on YouTube. Yeah, and uh, for, so for anyone who, who's not familiar with Renaissance Rock Orchestra or is uh, wondering, like, what um, what can they expect from, like, you know, the, the, the music style and the lyrical style? I know you touched on it a little bit, but for anyone who's tuning in right yeah, now, yeah. what can they expect? You know, when I originally started creating Trans uh, started creating Renaissance Rock Orchestra, I had gone and seen the Trans Siberian shows, and so they were so successful. You know, uh, they they bring in millions of dollars uh, in, in just three months over the holiday season. And even though it's a Christmas thing, they created a new genre with this classical metal that they created, and a lot of it's instrumental. And I knew that I'd have the ability to do that. And it was, a, it was a style I was very interested. So that's originally what I created. If you listen to the first record, the White Gate Trilogy, you're going to hear a lot of uh, Trans-Siberian styled things. Four out of the five songs on the EP are all instrumental. And uh, one of them is with Robin McCauley on vocals and George Lynch on guitar and Brian Tishy on drums. And uh, a brilliant song called The Author of Mystery, another song to check out. Uh, uh, Robin McCauley thinks it's the best song that I've ever written for Renaissance Rock Orchestra. But um, yes, so the style has changed uh, over time somewhat. 
It's always going to have a classical influence. It's always going to be very melodic. But on this record, I, I was definitely looking for more of a, an 80s sound. Uh, I was looking for uh, more songs. There's no instrumentals on the new record. You know, it's, it's all songs that are going to be reminiscent of Kansas Queen, Van Halen. Yes. Yeah, there's a song on there called The Universal Dance that is uh, it will remind Yes fans of Yes and those that don't know of Yes and aren't Yes fans yet, I'd be interested in knowing what it reminds them of. So go to YouTube and leave a comment. Tell me what you think it sounds like. I'd like to hear that. The Universal Dance. You can hear that on YouTube. I would definitely check that out. Yeah, um, but I, I do think In My Loving Arms, it really, it really rocks. Like It really yeah. has an edge to it. It does. It does. Yeah, that's uh, definitely the most powerful song on the record, I think. Uh, there's a second. The second song on the record is called uh, Here We Go Again. And I think that one rocks quite a bit, too. Uh, that one kind of reminds me of a combination of uh, electric light orchestra meets Foo Fighters. So it's it's got some drive to it. And it's kind of a story of a rock band, a story of a rock band practicing and writing songs and trying to make it and, and what they go through and that they'll never give up. And so that's another fun one. I think you'll like that one too, Matthew, because it's a pretty driving song too. Here we are again. Yeah, I would definitely check that out. As you said, you know, check them out on YouTube. Definitely, if, if you haven't listened to them, you're going to be in, it's, it's going to shock you a little bit, I think. Cool. Yeah, I hope I hope it does. I, I, You know, like I say, the response that we've gotten from everybody around the world has been really, really positive. So I think people are really going to like this record. Yeah, you know, it, it can remind uh, people that are old school of some old things, but I think it's fresh enough and new enough. It has a kind of a sonic fury for for 2021 that that nobody else is doing. Nobody's doing music like this now. So I think it can really attract uh, another new young audience. Uh, so yeah, and hopefully that audience will be able to come out and see us soon at a residency in Las Vegas. We've been working on this for several years and this is one of the things we're working for for 2021 is to get this residency going. It's uh, it's a difficult thing to do. It, you know, it takes huge budgets to have the operating capital and to have a uh, to have that in the bank to to guarantee the casino or the venue that yeah, the show's going to stay in business for a while. But we're shooting for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday thing right now, and uh, who knows? Uh, the venue would like to have us open the show. By June, June 15th, I don't think that's really doable. It's too much work involved. But uh, it'd be really nice if we could have that going by by July. And so we'll have a show where you can come see us all the time in Las Vegas. That is our goal for 2021. That's that's where we're heading. Hey, I would definitely – that would be really awesome to see. Yeah, definitely like Because the music is very like, theatrical, even just listening to it. So definitely the live performance would definitely bring that out even more. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to make it very theatrical. The light show is going to be phenomenal. And so we have plans to expand it. You know, actually before COVID hit, we were about ready to do a residency in Las Vegas and had a multi-million dollar investor at that point. And we were actually going to make this a uh, very circ. I mean, we were going to have interactive lasers and lasers and, and BMX riders and and uh, gymnasts and the whole thing. Uh, right now, because of what's going on with COVID and the slow opening of Las Vegas, we are uh, we're kind of tightening our belts. We're just going to try to get the, the the wheels on the tracks on the ground and rolling and and play some great music and have a good show. So uh, yeah, so things are opening up. 
most of the big shows are planning on September. I'm going to try to try to beat that mark if we can and uh, have a show available for people to see in Las Vegas when they come. And of course, we'll have all of our stars uh, come out and do guest star appearances with us throughout the year. And we'll announce those. So, you know, if you if you are a huge fan of Simon Wright from ACDC, you can come when Simon's there. If you're a Robin McCauley fan, you'll want to make sure you're there uh, when, when Robin's doing shows. And uh, But we'll have, uh, my plan is to have the band on the record start the show and be kind of the house band, the core band, uh, which would include Brian Tishy on drums, Greg Smith on bass, Christian Brady on guitar, Tony Alleman, didn't mention his name, Tony Alleman from Juan Crucier's Rat is one of our guitar players, Michael James Romeo from Symphony X. That sounds really awesome. Definitely uh, a residency, residency would be really awesome. I know a lot, of, a lot of great bands have done that in Vegas, so definitely, as I said, it's going to be a really great show, even just based on like the music and stuff. So obviously, so Greg, you are currently based out of Los Angeles, or Las Vegas. Yep. Yeah, um, what's kind of like the music scene like in uh, Vegas? You know, it's it's tremendous. Usually, we've all struggled so so horribly during COVID. People have you know shows have closed, rooms have closed, musicians have left town. They've they've moved home. They've done a lot of different things. But the community there is very very strong. The musical community and. Uh, some great, great people that are so talented and and do a lot of brilliant things. There's some amazing talent in Las Vegas, and and it's a very supportive group. I, I have I've been so blessed since I moved to Las Vegas to to be a part of that community and to be invited to do so many things, uh, so many different types of shows. You know, raiding the Rock Vault, uh, you know, which I subbed for Michael T. Ross from Lita Ford in that show, you know, fairly often, a great, great show rated the number one musical in Las Vegas for like the last seven years in a row. Uh, when I first got there, the the Rock Gods Hall of Fame shows that we did with with every every artist you can imagine. So to meet all these people and, and a lot of people, that, a lot of the artists have moved to Vegas because California has gotten so crazy and expensive. And so we have, uh, a lot of lot of great people in Las Vegas that have been there the last decade that I've lived there. So yeah, the, the, the core community of, of musicians and, and live music in, in Las Vegas is, is a pretty phenomenal thing. Some great, great recording studios and uh, unbelievable, brilliant talent. And, and more and more people just keep moving there. You know, we have, we have uh, John Payne from Asia there we have I've just heard recently and I don't know if anybody even knows this yet but the majority of the kiss members have moved to Las Vegas now so I don't think that includes Paul Stanley and uh, I hope I don't get in trouble for disclosing that information but yeah it just keeps going on and on just more and more people keep moving to Vegas because you know it's the entertainment capital of the world and I really expect that as things open up and uh, the vaccinations bring us all together again that Las Vegas is is really going to be a worldwide hub for music, and it, it has been for years and years. But I think even more so now because a lot of venues have not survived. You know, the venue in your your city, uh, several of those uh, did not survive uh, no live music over the course of over a year. So because of that, a lot more people are going to be going to Las Vegas. Uh, uh, as we open, you know, the venues are not there in your hometown. Come to Las Vegas. We have a lot of great things going on, a lot, a lot of great venues and a lot of great artists. You're going to see some brilliant, brilliant shows. 
Yeah, and yeah, as you said, yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, I know personally, like three or four venues just in my area that have unfortunately had to close due to you know no live music, no entertainment, anything like that. So yeah, I mean the places are open once like everything gets open again. They're definitely going to thrive because people need entertainment. They Absolutely. need live music worldwide. Worldwide, you know, people around the world come to Vegas for for so many reasons. You know, there's there's uh, some incredible shopping and so many things to see, but the shows and, and the music is, is outstanding. And we're going to add to that palette with some Renaissance rock orchestra on the strip, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. It would definitely be a sight to see for sure. It's kind of funny. I've been, I don't know how familiar you are with the, uh, the TV show uh, CSI yeah. that was uh, filmed in Las Vegas. I just started watching it. So yeah. it's kind of funny. Like just like, you know, watching it all take place in uh, Las Vegas is pretty funny. It's fun. Yeah. I love watching those shows too, since, uh, being a Las Vegas guy for a decade now, it's kind of interesting to see where they shoot and how they how they edit those. A lot of times they they edit those clips together where you're on Fremont one second and and text ten seconds later you're all the way down at uh, at let's say Mandalay Bay or at the Luxor. It's just like wow, how did they do that? But it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, as long, as long as it looks cool, and it's kind of funny just like all the desert scenes. I mean, because yeah. obviously it's like a huge desert route, so it's kind of funny. Like they probably didn't have to travel that far to actually get there. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have some some beautiful desert scenery, red rocks out there, and the Valley of Fire is one of the places I love to go Harley riding a lot because it's just just brilliant with with all these uh, higher what are they called uh, hieroglyphs um, from the Anasazi Indians from thousands of years ago and they're, they're still there you see them on all these rocks i, I love going out and seeing that yeah hilo yeah i can't even say hylographics yeah i think yes. so yeah yeah Hi so, hylographics. Yeah, yeah i normally know i've forgotten today <laughs> yeah, and i'm sorry yeah, definitely Vegas, very cool place i would like to go sometime probably see uh, renaissance rock orchestra live that'll be why i'm going so that would be really cool you guys have a lot better weather yeah, you have a lot better better weather compared to here. It's like forty five and rainy today. So. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Make sure uh, sure you get there when it's when it's not one hundred and ten degrees. Although there's so much to to do, you know, and you stay in the pool, you stay inside, you're you're inside in, in some of the beautiful, brilliant shops, you know. So it doesn't matter what time of year you go. There's there's always something to do in Las Vegas, and it's 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 a beautiful beautiful city. The uh, the architecture in the casinos are, are brilliant. And if you're there when it's not too hot, get out into the desert and, and uh, see all that desert uh, wildlife. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. But, uh, so, Greg, I always ask my guests this question because I'm always very curious. What music have you been listening to this week, Greg Fox? Aha. Uh -huh. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good <laughs> I'm one. I'm curious. I really am. <laughs> well, as you probably have surmised already, you're always, I'm always going to listen to a little yes at some point in a week. Oh, that Listen to some Jethro Toll in a week. I drove up here from Las Vegas. I made the drive rather than flying. So I got to listen to some amazing music and something that, that I know I have enjoyed, but I don't listen to often is a band called Big Elf. Big Elf. And it's pretty intense. It's really cool and really intense, and uh, it has some progressive qualities to it. And yet, at the same time, there's moments where it, it sounds like Sgt. Pepper's and has some Beatlesque things to it. Some really interesting production. But while we're talking about that, I have to mention my favorite record right now. I did talk about Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater. He's uh, 
I think the most brilliant drummer there there is out there right now in the world. And uh, he's contributed some just amazing, amazing things to a lot of different bands. You know, he likes to be in a lot of different projects, including Sons of Apollo with Bumblefoot, you know, who is also in Renaissance Rock Orchestra. Sons of Apollo is a, a great progressive metal band also. But he has another band called Transatlantic. Mike is in a band uh, with Billy Sheehan, a band, one of the most amazing bass players in the world, who I would love to get on a record. Billy, if you ever see this, or if anybody knows Billy, please tell him I want him on a Renaissance Rock Orchestra record. Let's do a song. And uh, uh, so they've just released a new album called The Absolute Universe. And uh, I love this record. It also has Jordan Rudess on keyboards, uh, the most amazing keyboardist in the world. Uh, every keyboard in the world, keyboardist in the world wants to be able to play like Jordan. He's a wizard. Was it Juilliard? I think uh, at seven or something like that. And so, yeah, the songwriting, the production, one of uh, the songs are, they get very prog, very metal, but then they, they get very poppy and very Beatlesque. They cover just about every genre that there is. And uh, so it's brilliant. And one of the things I love about the record that keeps drawing me back is the themes that they wrote, the themes over and over from the, the overture that it begins with. They, keep, they have like four or five melodic themes that they keep bringing back into the songs later in the album. So you keep hearing these returns to, to these themes that they've created. And so I, I love it. it. It gives the album a, a continuity and, and a feel that's really beautiful. I love that. The Abs Absolute Universe by Transatlantic. That's my new favorite. I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah, actually, so uh, this week, I been I just started getting back into Everclear again. Nice. Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to see them live in 2019, so I just started getting back into listening to their music. They're really good. Yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, and then uh, I started listening to Linkin Park again. I haven't listened to them in a, quite a while, so. Right, cool. Definitely, yeah, they started. Powerful they, you know, energetic stuff there, absolutely. Oh, yeah, and it really just to kind of changed the style of music um, with, you know, just adding the rap, the rock and the rap element to it as well. Definitely uh, yeah. very different. <laughs> it is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, powerful, good mix, great mix, very successful mix. Yeah, for sure. And I think this one I think you're going to like. So, you know, I kind of figured as soon as you started, I started listening to Genesis again as well. Nice. Excellent. I'm more of the Phil Collins. That, that's yep. where I tend yeah, the to Peter, go. And the Peter Gabriel. You know, most people that are Genesis fans would say the opposite. You know, uh, hardcore old school Genesis guys are always Gabriel people more than Phil. But I love I love Phil a lot, too. They, they both did brilliant work in, in Genesis. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, Abacab was one of my favorites. Yeah. I love that song, Abacab. Love playing that. Uh, when I was doing the Asia song for the show at Coopstock here last weekend, we have a, uh, Asia has a song called Soul Survivor. There's kind of a section in there that reminds me of a little bit of Abacab, this building keyboard uh, part that, that builds. It's a chordal thing. It's all chords that keep building and, and, uh, it reminded me of, of Abacab. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you're getting into Genesis. That's a very, very great thing. Always great to stretch out, to stretch out your, your musical tastes. And it's good for the spirit, for the, for the soul, for the mind. Uh, yeah. So nice. I'm glad to hear that, Matthew. Excellent. Yeah, no, I think uh, definitely uh, between you know, Phil and Peter, they both brought out like, I think different sides of Genesis yes. with their music. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely.
I like them both. And I, I figured as soon as I started talking to you, like, you know what? I know what I know he's gonna like uh, that I've been listening to. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know that one for sure. Definitely. So, great, thank you so much for hanging out. We went, you know, over 50 minutes. A fun time chatting with you, but all the great stories you've had, all the stuff that you're currently working on. I do have one more thing before I let you go before we end this interview. So what can we expect? I know you talked about the res residency for Renaissance Rock Orchestra. What else do you have in the works? Well, uh, you know, this is basic stuff, things that you keep building on. Uh, we're trying to grow the YouTube following uh, to get it in the kind of social media numbers that the record label really needs. You know, they always look at social media. So uh, please join us on Instagram, on YouTube, on Spotify. Uh, follow us, like us on Spotify. Spotify is pretty difficult. If you have a playlist, please add Renaissance Rock Orchestra to your playlist on Spotify because that's what we need to really build the numbers and, and share it with your friend. You can always join us on, on Facebook and see a lot of new things. And as, like I said, I always uh, have new content available on Tuesdays and on Fridays. But so the, the big push this year is going to be uh, to, to, to do the residency in Las Vegas. So we're playing live music and people can come see the show and start building the brand. But of course, uh, right now with the release of A Song of Hope 2020, our newest release, uh, we will be pushing that in, in all, all forms of media. And so uh, the, the big push here is is to get get the music released worldwide with a major label. So that's that's probably going to be the the biggest thing. It's hard to say the biggest thing because obviously a residency in Las Vegas would be pretty big, but uh, to to have a major record deal for Renaissance Rock Orchestra will be a worldwide event. It'll be distributed worldwide, and people around the world, you know, with the clout, the marketing that uh, the label has. Uh, they will start to learn about Renaissance Rock Orchestra. I will, of course, keep produce, producing music. I, I can't wait to, to get back home and, and I have a lot of new music in my head. And uh, I'll be writing that for Renaissance Rock Orchestra. I'll also be working with John Payne from Asia to uh, collaborate on the new Asia album too. So uh, looking forward to doing that too. So uh, there's a lot of work to be done, Matthew. Yeah, definitely, but it sounds... Sounds like a lot of work, but it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of great things that I've been waiting for my whole life. So, I couldn't uh, be happier. I'm very very thankful for for all the support that everybody's given me, and thank you very much for for having me on today and for sharing our music with your fans and followers. Yeah, for sure. I definitely. I again, I really like in your loving arms. I'll be featuring that right after this interview. It is going to be it's gonna be a trip it's gonna be really awesome so thank you so much for greg fox the keyboardist creator composer for renaissance rock orchestra i'm mad super cool radio thank you for watching bye guys hope everyone enjoyed my interview with greg fox of renaissance rock orchestra i definitely had a great time chatting with him about so many different topics covering so many different things from writing and recording in my loving arms to chatting about him performing with asia great time please check out stream support give a like to renaissance rock orchestra and subscribe to their youtube channel as well now here is a teaser for in my loving arms a really great song and i really love it so please check out renaissance rock orchestra and please check out super cool radio store on endeavor after you pick up this really awesome t-shirt for sale or if you want a baseball hat like the one i'm rocking they're 21 dollars including shipping we'll ship them directly to you 
please contact Super Cool Radio for more details. But now, to close out the show, here's a teaser for In My Loving Arms by Renaissance Rock Orchestra.